Welcome to this podcast from Wilkesboro Baptist Church, where we are on a mission to lead our neighbors and the nations to follow Jesus. Well, happy Father's Day. I know for those of you in the room on Wednesday, it's not technically Father's Day yet, but for those of you watching at home, it is Father's Day. Happy Father's Day. Hope you get a steak and an ugly tie or whatever else, you know, a pair of socks, whatever it might be. As I was thinking about this particular day in this particular series, working through the book of Proverbs, uh, I thought about putting together a sermon that would be focused on fathers for Father's Day, and that's what I've done. So this sermon is specifically aimed at you dads. Now, though it's specifically aimed at you dads, there are applications and insights For those of you in the room that are moms or grandmothers or that aren't uh, parents at all, you're still children, you're growing up, or or maybe you've never had kids. Whatever it may be, there are applications from the text for all of us. Let me start with this story about uh, a boy, a boy that was standing in front of a judge. The judge happened to know this young man. He had seen this young man grow up from boyhood because his dad was a famous lawyer. He's a famous lawyer who wrote a law book, a book of trusts, a law of trusts. And so the judge looked down at this teenager at the time, young man at the time, who was standing in front of him after having been arrested for forgery. And he looked down at this young man and he said, Why in the world are you here? Your dad is this fantastic lawyer. People read his law of trust, his book. It's a, it's a magnificent book. Don't you know what you're putting him through? Don't you know your dad? Why are you here? The young boy replied, I remember my dad perfectly. When I went to him for advice or companionship, he would look up from his book on the law of trust and say, run away, boy, I am busy. My father finished his book. And here I am. If we're not careful as dads, as moms, as grandparents, we're not careful as individuals, we have a tendency to put our tasks, to put our things, to put ourselves in front of the privileges and opportunities and responsibilities of teaching our kids, teaching our grandkids, of instilling the wisdom that God's given us. We're going to be in Proverbs chapter 4, a text that highlights this command, these statements that I'm going to unpack about wisdom and wisdom for dads. Read with me, if you will, beginning in chapter 4, verse 1. Hear, O sons, hear, O sons, a father's instruction, and be attentive, that you may gain insight, for I give you good precepts, and do not forsake my teaching. When I was a son with my father, tender, and the only one in the sight of my mother, he taught me and said to me, let your heart hold fast my words, keep my commandments, and live. Get wisdom, get insight, do not forget, and do not turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her, and she will love you. Love her, and she will guard you. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom, and whatever you get, get insight. Prize her highly, 
and she will exalt you. She will honor you if you embrace her. She will place on your head a graceful garland. She will bestow on you a beautiful crown. I'll give you three statements. We're going to read a few more verses in Proverbs chapter 4 in a moment. But let me give you three statements that we will unpack as we work through this text. Fathers, here's the first one. Fathers, teach your children. Fathers, teach your children. I'm not going to get into a lot of gender stereotypes or what's a dad's responsibility or what's a mom's responsibility in this particular sermon. There's time to unpack those kind of ideas in other places. But let me say this very, very clearly. Too often, the instruction of children primarily or singularly falls on the moms. It's one of the reasons why when we get to Mother's Day, we pause and we celebrate moms. We're thankful for moms because moms invested the instructional time in the lives of children. Part of that is because God made women nurturing. And that's part of who they are. Nothing wrong with that. It's not even anything wrong that women or moms play a primary role in the teaching of kids. But let me say it this way. Dads cannot abdicate their responsibility to teach. They have a responsibility biblically to guide and lead the home to follow Jesus. If a home is not following Jesus, I don't look at the mom and say it's her fault or the kids and say it's their fault. As a pastor and as a follower of Jesus and as a reader of Scripture, I look at the Scripture and look at the family and say it's the dad's that are neglecting their responsibility for their homes to be godly. How can I say this? 19 times in the first 10 chapters, first 9 chapters rather, of the book of Proverbs, 19 times Solomon says, my sons, our sons, sons. Solomon did not turn the responsibility of leading his home spiritually over to his wife, or the mother of his son that he's instructing in this case. He took ownership of that responsibility and wrote the book of Proverbs primarily to teach his sons how they should behave. Now, unfortunately, you read the story of Rehoboam later on in the... You go back in the book of, uh, I believe it's 2 Kings. You read that first and first Kings, rather. Read it in 1 Kings... It, he made some really, really foolish blunders. He didn't listen too well to his dad. But yet Solomon took the responsibility to teach. Proverbs 10.1, which is after the extended introduction. If you want to break the book of Proverbs down, chapters 1 through 9 is an introduction to the specific pithy statements that Solomon is going to write and also record from other places. And then in chapter 10, verse 1, he begins with, uh, read this with me, chapter 10, verse 1, a wise son makes a glad father, but a foolish son is a sorrow to his mother. My sons, our sons, here's what you need to do. And then he begins with, the son that's wise makes his dad glad, but the son that's foolish brings sorrow to his mom. Dads, it is your responsibility to teach. Too often in our society, we tend to demote fathers in the way that they act, make fun of them, pick at them. I don't know if you've seen the movie Yesterday that's on Netflix. I wished I had not let my boys see that movie. But we sat down and watched it as a family, and the dad's a goof. He goes to work, and he's serious. He comes home, and he's the 
fun dad, never taking ownership for the, uh, for the kid's behavior, never teaching and instructing, leaving that to his wife. So his wife is, is essentially a control freak who manages everything and tells everybody what to do all the time. So dad's fun, and, and, and the mom is, is the one that kind of controls everything and dictates how things are to be. That's not the way it should be in the home of Jesus' followers. Dads, teach your children. It's your obligation to teach them about God and to know God and to at least know what it means to follow God. Fathers, teach your children wisdom. Some of you are are sitting here thinking, well, I, I don't have kids in my house anymore. I'm I'm not a dad. How does this apply to me? Let me say this. If God has given you insight and wisdom, opportunity and guidance, you are never too young or too old to share what what wisdom God has given you with those you are responsible for. You're never too young or too old. You're never at a place where God can't use you to share with somebody else. What I would say to you is while you may not be the primary teacher in, say, a Sunday school class or a discipleship group or a church. God has put people inside your relational circles. Maybe it's a co-worker. Maybe it's a neighbor. Maybe it's a nephew. Maybe it's a niece. Maybe it's a grandson or a granddaughter. He's given you somebody. And what I would say to you is don't ever look at the situation and say, I'm too young can't share what I know. Too old, I can't share what I know. I don't, have a, I, don't, I don't know what to do. No, teach those that you're responsible for. Look for opportunities to share the wisdom that you have. But dads, fathers, teach your children. I'll give you a second statement. Fathers, teach your children to get wisdom. Teach your children to get wisdom. I know a lot of dads that make it a, an intentional point to teach their kids certain things. I've tried to do that with my boys over the years. I knew dads that have taught their children how to ride bicycles. Kind of a skill that every kid should learn how to do, right? You should learn how to ride a bicycle. If you're, you're a dad and you've got, you've got kids that like to be outdoors, kids should know how to hike. They should, they should know in some situations how to hunt. If you like to hunt, it's your obligation to make sure that your kids know what, what is safe if you're, if you're talking about bows and arrows and rifles. It's important that kids know things like fishing and fun. Some of you have kids that like sports. And, you know, you should kick a soccer ball with them or throw a baseball with them or teach them how to throw a football. Some of you really have grand dreams for your kids. You want them to be doctors or lawyers or professionals in some aspect of life. Some of you have kids that are talented. I'm thankful every day that God gave me two boys. I really am. Because I know some dads that the talent of their daughters is to be dancers. And those of you that have taken your daughters to dance for years, God bless you. 
I, I mean, really? And, and it's wonderful? And, and it's nothing wrong with wanting your kids to do well in school. There's nothing wrong with you teaching your kids how in the world to interact with others. There's nothing wrong with you teaching your kids to play baseball, to throw football. There's nothing wrong with you teaching your girls how to dance and do all sorts of things. But let me say this. If you teach your kids to do all those other things and you fail to teach your kids to walk wisely and know Jesus, you have failed. You have abdicated your responsibility. Listen to this. Your kids can have all this and more, but if they don't learn wisdom and insight, then they will just be talented kids who turn to drugs out of depression. Your kids might become wealthy kids who then turn to social media or sex for affirmation. They could be well-rounded kids who make foolish decisions in order to fit in with a crowd that is out for no good. You can give your kids everything, but if you don't teach them wisdom, you've not given them the most important thing. Solomon wrote in verse 5, Get wisdom, get insight. He repeated that in verse 7. The beginning of wisdom is this, Get wisdom. The word get there in the Hebrew language is, a financial, is, is connected to a financial transaction. In a real sense, what Solomon is saying, buy wisdom. Whatever it takes, whatever it costs, whatever it means, whatever it, 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 it sacrifices you have to make, get wisdom. And folks, I know some families, I know some dads and moms that you have sacrificed time, effort, and energy to get that girl into dance. You have sacrificed time, effort, and energy to get those boys on a baseball diamond. You've sacrificed time, effort, and energy to get, to get those kids piano lessons. You have interrupted your schedules. You have adjusted your lives to make sure that they are well-rounded, that they're doing all of those things that you think are important and that in many cases are important, you've sacrificed, you've interrupted, you've changed, you've coerced, you've paid, you've done all this stuff. But have you sacrificed so that they'll have wisdom? Have you adjusted your schedule so that they'll know God? Have you made it clear that in your home there's a priority and the priority is not what we watch the priority is not what we spend or what we buy. The priority is not how we have fun. The priority is Jesus who is Lord and King. Do they see that in you? Let me say it this way. It is easier for your children to do as you say when what you say to do matches what you actually do. Many of you as parents can say to kids, hey, you need to read your Bible, but do they ever see you read your Bible? You can say to your kids, hey, we need to go to church. And we're going to go to church. We're going to worship. But do they see you worshiping? Do they, do they see you praising God? Do they see you giving your attention to King Jesus? I heard of a story about a little girl who came up to her dad when she was young. And she said, Dad, it's almost time for Sunday school. Let's go. Let's get up and go to church. Here was his response. No, said dad, not today. I've worked hard all week. I'm going to the woods. I'm going to the creek so I can re relax and rest. I need to have one day for rest and fishing. Run along. Don't bother me. We'll go to church some other day. Months and years have passed, but daddy doesn't hear the pleas anymore. Let's go to Sunday school. Those childish years are over, 
And when dad is growing old, when life is almost through, he finds time to go to church. But what does his daughter do? She says, Dad, not today. I stayed up almost all last night, and I've got to get some sleep. I'm going to tell you something. Dads, moms, parents, grandparents, if you say Jesus is important in your life, yet following Jesus to church, following Jesus in worship, following Jesus in song, following Jesus in small groups and Sunday school classes is not important to you, then your kids will do what you do. They won't do what you say they should do. Fathers, parents, grandparents, you've got to teach your kids to get wisdom. There's nothing more important in life than that your kids meet the risen Savior who will change them forever and forever. If you don't model it, if you don't seek it out, if you don't live for that as your means and mechanism, I promise you there will come a day when they're 18 or when they're 28 or when they're 58 when they won't care anymore for what they learned, what they heard, what you told them when they were kids. They will have watched your life and learned the lesson perfectly well. Fathers, teach your children to get wisdom. Let me give you a third statement. Fathers, teach your children to get wisdom because choices abound. Pick up reading, if you will. Turn over to the latter part of chapter 4. We'll pick back up in verse 20. My son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart. For they are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. Listen, wisdom promises some good things, promises honor. In verse 9, I believe it was that wisdom will give a garland over your, over your head, like a, like a crown, a statement of acknowledgement that a person is wise. And by the way, don't we see that? I mean, I mean, I know that wise people don't walk around with a halo on their heads, right? I mean, we don't, that's not what we see physically. But do you know people who are wise? They just carry themselves differently, They're the kind of people that you want to be around in your life. How do you know who the wise person is? Well, get yourself in a pickle. And who's the first person you're texting or the first person you're calling? It's probably the person that you think has the most wisdom in your relational circle. And you go to that person and and seek wisdom. They just carry themselves differently. Wisdom bestows honor upon those who seek and get wisdom and are willing to put anything aside in order to get the wisdom that God offers and God desires. It's an honor. Verse 23, one of the greatest verses in all of the book of Proverbs. It's not a memory verse, at least one that we're asking you to memorize. But it wouldn't be a bad one for all of us to memorize. Keep your heart with all vigilance. For from it flow the springs of life. Uh, Why do we tell our teenagers and our young ones and adults to guard their hearts? Because when your hearts are stepped on and broken in relationships and choices and decisions that are outside of the bounds of God's protective instructions and laws, then here's what happens. When a heart is broken, it is so easy for that heart to turn to the wrong thing. And to reject God. Eddie said earlier, before he had become a follower of Jesus, one of the things he thought was that God wasn't able to forgive him of of sins. 
What does that mean? It means that at some point in his life and in some point in many of our lives, we reached that place where our heart was stepped on and broken by a person, a situation, a circumstance, or maybe by our own decisions and choices. We didn't guard it. We didn't protect it. And in order for that heart to be restored, something wonderful, miraculous, and supernatural has to happen. That's why Solomon says, guard it. Guard your heart, protect it from the damage that false choices and terrible choices can do. Notice what he says. Verse 25, let your eyes look forward. Your gaze be straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet, then all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. Why does he say that? Fathers teach your children to get wisdom because choices abound. I don't know that I have ever, let me say it this way, pause just a second. I don't know that we have ever been in a culture where more choice and opportunity is in front of us. Right? I mean, if you have streaming platforms, Netflix is now doing this thing where it will pick what you watch for you. Because... Too many people scroll through not finding anything to watch because there's so much to watch. Which social media platform are you going to be on today? Uh, I don't usually get on Twitter, but the last two weeks I've gotten on Twitter because Southern Baptists, our denomination, there's a lot of vitriol and, and some things on Twitter that aren't very nice. And I followed some of that to see what some people are saying about some things and some people are saying about other things. And occasionally you can find options. But when Twitter, you know, is too frustrating, you turn to Facebook. And you can read Facebook messages and see all the things that other people have that you don't have and become depressed and jealous. And if, if Twitter and Facebook aren't your cup of tea, then you can just look at pictures on Instagram. And, and, and if you want to see silly, stupid things, look at TikTok. If you want to be depressed, turn on the TV and watch the news. You know, it's a lot nicer now that it's not 2020 and there's not a presidential election. But still, depending on which network you're going to watch, the, there's a network that isn't happy now because there were a lot of networks that weren't happy the last four years. And, and, and we've got choices after choices. And, and if, you know, screens aren't your thing, then go fishing or go take a hike or go walk or go find a hobby. We have choices that abound in front of us. And a lot of those choices aren't right or wrong choices. A lot of those choices aren't toward evil or, or toward good but many of them can lead down the path of evil and good. I'm going to tell you something. Some of us in this room who are older, we remember what it was like before cell phones and before all of the things that we could do with a smartphone in front of us. Like, I remember that. I'll be honest with you. There are a lot of days. I wish I could chuck my phone out the window and disconnect from everything. Some of you probably feel that way too. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands. But we, we felt that way, right? And we remember what it was like. But we've got teenagers. And even younger than teenagers. And we're putting a world full of choices right in front of them. 
And say, uh, hey, look at this, or do this, or watch this, or see this, or act like this, or take a picture of yourself doing this, take a video of yourself doing this, present yourself in all of these formats and frameworks, and that's just what a cell phone has the opportunity to do. Let me tell you something, dads. Let me tell you something, moms. Let me tell you something, families. Teach your children to get wisdom because choices abound. There are opportunities around every corner for your child, 7, 10 for me, for your child, 5, 13, 18, 25, 35, to make a decision that won't necessarily ruin their life, but to make a decision that will follow them the rest of their lives. How will they not make those decisions? They've got to see you leading and guiding You've got to teach them wisdom at all costs so that they'll know what not to do or what to do. And so they'll see it by example. Let me give you an observation about wisdom and about speaking wisdom. In order to teach wisdom, you have to be heard. Some of you are sitting here thinking, hold on a second. This is, this is outside of my wheelhouse right now. I don't have a 7-year-old to listen to or a 10-year-old. My, my kids are grown up. My grandkids come over and I'm the fun grandparent. I don't have to say no or I don't have to say no much. And, 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 and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. But what do you do? How do you teach them wisdom if you have a burden for them? Let me give you an observation. In order to teach wisdom, you have to be heard. What does that mean? Some of us don't have the right to speak. And I don't mean that because you haven't earned the right. I mean, the person listening has to give you the right to speak in their lives. How do we earn that right? Well, sometimes, folks, it means that we set aside everything else and we just listen to that child, that grandchild. Maybe you've got a relationship that's, that's at odds with a child or a grandchild or a neighbor or somebody you want to speak to, a church member. What do you do? Call them up on the phone and say, hey, let's go to lunch and keep your mouth shut and just listen. You want to speak wisdom into somebody's life? I know some of you in this room. I know some of you watching. You have a burden on your heart. Man, you have a burden. You want to see that person make a better choice with their life. And you know how to fix it. One of my spiritual gifts is prophecy. Now, that the, in, in the way that that's defined in a spiritual gifts test, uh, that's not like prophetic utterances as in uh, speaking uh, foreknowledge or, you know, knowing what's going to happen in the future. The way that's listed in a spiritual gifts test is a prophet's a person who knows what somebody else is doing that's wrong and is willing to speak truth into their circumstances and situations in life. I've lost some friends over the years because of that. Not because of the gift, but because of the way I've handled the gift. And I, I could tell you what you're doing wrong with your life. And some of you feel that way. You know what somebody's doing wrong with their life. But do you realize not everybody's interested in hearing your assessment of their life? You want to teach wisdom? You need to be heard. And to be heard, sometimes you need to be quiet and listen. I'm not saying listening to approve of every choice they make. I'm not saying listening to affirm the decisions they've made. I'm saying listen so that you've got a relationship so that when they finally do, turn and look at you and say, what do you think? 
you might have the opportunity to speak the good news, speak the gospel, speak grace, speak wisdom into someone's life. In order to teach wisdom, you have to be heard. In order to teach wisdom, folks, you have to have wisdom. That's a, that's a, a part of that same observation. In order to teach wisdom, not just heard, you have to have wisdom. Let me tell you something, folks. If you want to have wisdom, you've got to be in the Word. You've got to worship God. And I would love for every single one of you to be back in person. Let me, let me make a confession. I went to the Southern Baptist Convention annual meeting this past week. Uh, there were 15,000 messengers or so from all over the country meeting in Nashville, Tennessee. COVID does not exist in Nashville, Tennessee. Now, I, I say that jestfully. I know it does. There were 15,000 people in one room without adequate air conditioning. I mean, it was, it was an interesting, interesting day or so. My point is this. I'm not saying you got to come back and be comfortable and be right next to everybody. I, that's okay. I, I, that's why we have multiple services. So you can spread out and be comfortable. But let me say this very, very clearly to all of you. If you want your kids to worship, they've got to see you worship. If you want your kids to know what God's Word says, you have to know what God's Word says. If you want to share wisdom, then folks, you've got to get wisdom. And you're not going to get wisdom, like we talked about last week, from just having one hour of church that some weeks is optional. It's not going to happen. They've got to see that you're investing in God and what God wants from your life and you're living it out on a day-by-day basis. If you want to share wisdom, you've got to get wisdom. If you want to share wisdom, you've got to be heard. If you want to share wisdom, you've got to get wisdom. And thirdly, in order to teach wisdom, you have to have an open door. Some of you are in this category. I'm in a category where where I've got a 10-year-old son and a 7-year-old son. They don't get to say, they don't want to hear what dad wants to say. You know, you know what I'm saying? They get to listen. I'm the authority figure in their lives. But I realize there's coming a day when they'll be 25 and 22, and they may not sit down and listen to a lecture from dad. Probably won't. I, I'll probably still have a few to give at 25 and 22. But then they'll be older than that, and they won't listen. Or they won't listen if I feel like I've got something to say. What happens? How do you handle that as a parent or grandparent of an older child? Let me say this. In order to teach wisdom, you have to have an open door. How do you get an open door? You pray for one. Some of you right now are in situations where you're estranged from a family member. Or you're disconnected. If if not estranged, you know they're not doing what they really should be doing with their lives. And you can speak into that situation. Some of you, the reason that you're estranged is because you've continued to speak into that situation when the door's been shut in your face. And you've continued to speak and continued to speak and continued to speak. And, and what it comes across as is a nag. And instead of your kids or grandkids or that neighbor or that relative listening to truth that they need to hear, they've ignored you because you've kept saying it, kept pushing on the door. You've tried to open the door. If you're in that category, you need an open door. The only one that can give open doors is God. I'm not saying you don't ever speak into the situation. I'm saying you pray that God will open a door. You pray that God will soften a heart. You pray that God will open a situation where you can speak into it. You know what I find? 
God's a whole lot better at setting up the timing for conversations to happen than I am. When I set up conversation timing, I usually get, my, get in the way. And that's why we have the book of Proverbs. God is good about opening the door for wisdom. Now, some of you are here right now, and um, you don't feel so good about this sermon. I'll be honest with you. I'm here preaching the sermon, and I don't feel so good about this sermon. Because I realize that there are flaws and failures in my parenting, in my relationship with my wife, my relationship as a pastor. I, 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 I'm, I, man, I, I feel like there are times where I've absolutely blown it. And some of you are sitting here, some of you are watching at home, and you're like, man, I wish I'd have heard this 45 years ago and put it into practice 45 years ago. I've lived 45 years of something that's not wise. And I'm living out the difficulty of that today. I'm watching the estrangement. I'm seeing the frustration. And I don't see a way out of it. And I don't know what that's going to do. Or some of you, you did as much right as you possibly could. You loved, you prayed, you talked, you brought your kids to church. And, and there's still an estrangement. What do you do? You go to your Heavenly Father. Ponder the path of your feet. Notice this then all your ways will be sure. One of the beautiful things about the book of Proverbs is it teaches us to look at where we are, but look beyond where we are to what God offers. God doesn't just offer us guidance and here's what you do. God offers us the gospel through his son Jesus and knows where we are. And what does he do? He steps in right where we are and receives us. Remember that story I told at the beginning of the sermon? That dad who said, son, run along. I've got work to do. Do you know something? God has never shooed me away. God will never shoo you away. It doesn't matter what circumstance brought you to this sermon, this day, this worship service. God will never turn you away. It doesn't matter how bad your parenting was or how great your parenting was. It doesn't matter how difficult that relationship is with that kid or that grandkid. It doesn't matter how wonderful it is. Whatever is going on in your life, if you're lost and you come to Jesus, he will never shoo you away. If you're struggling and you come to God, he will never shoo you away. He'll never say, I'm too busy, too much other stuff going on. Go. He will always receive you. The gospel is a message about the fact that God is a heavenly father who is waiting on us to just simply come to him and say, I don't have wisdom. I don't know what to do, but I'm willing to open up your word and get it if you'll give it to me. He's giving you that invitation. He's offering that to you right now. Let me read you a hymn. We sang this week as we met. Beautiful hymn. Come ye sinners, poor and needy, weak and wounded, sick and sore. Jesus, ready, stands to save you, full of pity, love, and power. Come ye thirsty, come and welcome God's free bounty, glorify. True belief and true repentance, every grace that brings you nigh. How about this one? Come ye weary, heavy laden, lost and ruined by the fall. If you tarry till you're better, you will never come at all.
Let not conscience make you linger, nor fitness fondly dream. All the fitness he requireth is to fill your need of him. The chorus is this. I will arise and go to Jesus. He will embrace me in his arms. In the arms of my dear Savior, oh, there are 10,000 charms. Folks, it doesn't matter where you are in your parenting, grandparenting, responsibility, Jesus is offering you the opportunity today to come to him, receive the wisdom of the Heavenly Father, receive the grace if you need salvation, receive help if you're hurting, receive strength if you're weary, doesn't matter. He's inviting. Will you come and get his wisdom? Stand with me. Father, I have no idea where the folks are that are in this room or that are watching where they are spiritually, but I know this. I know you love them far more than we could ever imagine. I know, Heavenly Father, that you are the perfect Father. Where I make mistakes, where my dad made mistakes, where my granddad made mistakes, you've never made those mistakes. You've never shooed us away. You receive us by grace because you are glorious and you are good. And Lord, a message like this reminds us deeply of our flaws, of the times we've missed it, of the times that our actions have created brokenness. It it, it motivates us. It says, you know, here's where we are and what we need to do better. And and Father, so much of our lives, we're not going to be able to do better. We need you. And so, Lord, let this invitation, this day, this worship service, be an invitation to your grace, to receive your reckless love, to know that nothing will stop you from cleansing us and receiving us if we'll simply come. There's one here who needs to trust you or pray they'd be saved. There's one here, Lord, or many who just need you, need to talk with you, need to pray, need to seek your wisdom. Father, help them to know that you won't turn them away. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Remember to like and subscribe wherever podcasts are found.